Hey everybody, it's Bo here. I'm jumping in real quick to kind of give you a heads up about the naming convention for this episode and really for the series as a whole. Uh, you'll hear us talk at the beginning of this episode about why we're changing the name and kind of the history for how it became what it's going to be called. But you'll also hear us give it a new name. And then, not to spoil it, later in the episode, you'll hear one of us, I'm not going to say who, but let's just say a prominent tobacconist in the southeastern North America region, uh, may have totally butchered it and then didn't realize he did and then did realize he did. It, it, you know, it's funny, so I don't want to spoil it. You'll, you'll see. But point is that uh, aside from the fact that we kind of fumble the ball a little bit as we're doing this episode with the series title, we've gotten so many different great recommendations since recording this episode. And I would just say that when we do come back with the next one in the series, the series itself will probably have yet another name. So I know that's a little confusing, but I did want to get that out kind of upfront so that you kind of know what's coming. So we've got a great episode here showcasing the history of a famous pipe smoker and one that was requested by a listener. So our apologies for the confusion with the name, but hopefully you'll still enjoy this episode despite our fumblings, maybe even more so because of it. Anyway, enjoy. Welcome to Country Squire Radio. Welcome to Country Squire Radio, I'm Bo. And I'm John David. JD! Hey, Bo, good afternoon, man. Good afternoon to you too, sir. How are you doing today? I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, uh, I just refilled my cup of coffee. Yeah, you did. And uh, took my shoes off. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, very, I'm very comfortable. Very and, comfortable. Um, yeah, happy to be here, man. Yeah, can I just kind of paint a picture of what you look like right now? <laughs> Is that okay? Can I do I, that? I guess. Okay. Uh, you're wearing a blue shirt right? Yeah. And at the moment, you're, it's a kind of a light blue shirt kind yeah. of deal. Pa- at, pale blue. At the moment, you have in front of you, as I do, a microphone, but your microphone has a bright red kind of clown nose looking thing on it. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> as, <laughs> as you lean down to put it over your nose. Yeah. But like that combination of like that light blue and that bright red popping. Yeah. That's very appropriate for today's topic. Ooh. It, it's visual. So it doesn't matter to the listener, but I felt like I should like put yeah. it out. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because yeah. man, we've got a we've got a fun topic. We've got a fun new slash old series to kick off today. Hey, well, it, it's a revitalized series. Yeah, or or maybe a reinvented series. It, it's like when it's like it, this it, series is pivoting. Yes, well, <laughs> it's like it went to fat camp and it came back. Or, you know, I like one of those like uh, hardcore whatever. It is. <laughs> it's a series we had and we're tweaking it. We tweaked it. And now it has a new name. It has. Well, it's more than a new name, but it's it's mostly a new name. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, but before we dive into that, of course, this show is made possible by our amazing patrons at patreon.com slash country squire radio. If you would like to help make the show happen, uh, head over there. Patreon.com slash country squire radio. You can also find links at uh, country squire radio.com where you can join the International Pipe Club and help make this show happen every single week. Now, historically, this series, and I'll, I'll name it, and then maybe we'll, we won't reference the name ever again. Yeah, well, you'll name it, and then we'll deal with it. Okay. Uh, we, we, ha- we have had, for the longest time, a series called Heroes of the Bowl. Heroes of the Bowl. And that was a series that was, it's, it not, it's not our most controversial series, you know? Like in terms of like the one that we get the most like feedback from right. and like historically. Yeah, it, sure. It was not the most controversial. However, it did have a couple of controversial aspects when we rolled out that series. For one, it has the word hero in it. And yeah. we talk about people and some of those people were very interesting, very great people or, or very creative people. Right. But, you know, some people took a little offense to us using a title like hero 
to define somebody who they felt like was not necessarily like more heroic. And or, for some people that, you know, these people may have been heroes, right. but those same people may have not been heroes for other people. Yeah, exactly. Or really, these are just famous people right. is what they are. Well, yeah, people of interest, that that sort of thing, yeah. and, uh, who've done things throughout history. Yeah. We, we, mean, we never really covered anybody who was villainous or anything of that nature. Typically, we saved those for our Yeah, because we, we did that for Halloween, didn't yeah. we? I think we talked about Joseph Stalin. He's, we can't <laughs> use him on a hero of the bowl. Yeah, you can't do bowl. a hero of the Hero of the bowl. bowl, like, yeah. Exactly. Most terrible person on earth, yeah. So there's, right. there's a way in which uh, we wanted to kind of open open up this series to be able to talk about anybody without having to have that kind of hero thing above, yeah. above the name. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is of the bowl. Now, obviously pipe podcast, people know here what that means, but somebody who's perusing the interwebs and they see hero of the bowl, they see bowl and they're like, what's a bowl? Like, are they eating yeah. cereal? Are they sitting on the toilet? Like what is, <laughs> is a little too broad hero of the commode. Yeah. So we've <laughs> tweaked the name. <laughs> We've tweaked the name in an effort to open up the series to cover different people uh, and their histories and that sort of thing. And thus, we now have Half Bowl Histories. Yeah. Half Bowl Histories. Half Bowl Histories. Well, and, and we're trying to do a lot of things here. So yeah. this gives us room and space to talk about, uh, obviously, famous pipe smokers. Yeah. Right. Or even pipe smoking adjacent people. Pipe smoking adjacent people. Yeah, there's there's one particular person to kind of tee up in the future that we want yeah, to cover. Near future. Who I don't believe was a pipe smoker. His son was a pipe smoker. Yeah. And I think is a very uh, person that a lot of people will find a, a very fascinating look into their, their history. So, yeah. you know, there's there's yeah. A, yeah, there's those kind of connections. So so half bowl histories, uh, you've got you've got pipe people profiles. So pro- profiles of, you know, pipe smoking people, whether they be heroes or villains or or just, just people or just people just people yeah, um, yeah, yeah yeah but it also gives us the opportunity because it's just histories it uh lets us know um you know that we can talk about another variety of things so if something else comes up uh, you know an object an era uh you know a, a a building or structure or a movement um you know we can engage with some of those things as well i really like the concept of a half bowl. The half bowl. I really the, the half bowl history. What what we're what we're communicating with this in some way is, you know, I, I'm bad about using this phrase, but I use the phrase a lot. Thirty thousand foot view. Oh yeah. It's like you know you're you, when you're trying to explain something to someone and you're using broad brush strokes. A lot of times I'll say that. Right. And you know we were thinking like when Sherlock Holmes had that real difficult, you know, problem to solve. It was yeah. a three-pipe problem. The three-pipe right? problem. So we right. focused in super, super hard on it. It was this real intensive thing. And it's like, well, what is a what does a broad brush stroke look like when you're talking about, you know, a pipe concept? And it's kind of, well, it's a half pipe, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I hadn't smoked a whole bowl of it. And I, you know, but I smoked more than a quarter bowl of it. Well, and, and it's, I think, a, it's a half pipe. I think it also speaks to the fact that we're, you know, as we've done in the past, we kind of attempt to pro- provide the histories of different people. Right. But they're abridged and they're really, really kind of like we're, we're rocking through their history kind of quickly. Yeah. We don't have time for a full bowl to sit down. You might only want to pack half a bowl for this one, uh, you know, yeah. as we kind of go through their history because it might, you know, we're going to miss some stuff. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah. it, so it kind of gives us license to, be amateurs yeah. to, some, to some degree. Oh, exactly. Um, so anyway, what do, you, what do you think, Bo? I'm really excited to dive into this one. Yeah. And I do mean dive into this one. We are beginning <laughs> talking about... <laughs> We're talking about Jacques Cousteau. Did I do it? Did I do it right? That sounded French. You said Jacques Cousteau in what sounded like a French accent. All right. Well, I tried. And that's, uh, <laughs> and, and you, you did you did better than I would have done. 
Well, so, you know, obviously it's appropriate because, of course, Jacques Cousteau was born in the south of France in 1910. I'm curious, though, before we get into, like, his life history, when yeah. I say Jacques Cousteau, who do you, like, what, what kind of uh, comes to mind for you? Whales, fish, stingrays. General sea life. Boats. Right. Yeah. So it may surprise you to know that Jacques Cousteau was originally wanting to be a pilot. I did not know that. Yeah. Now, while he did as a young man have kind of a love of all things sea, he also had a a kind of a desire to be up in the air. Yeah. So he actually joined the French Naval Academy uh, seeking to become a pilot. Okay. uh, But was taken out because of uh, a a car wreck. He said he was lying on the ground after this car wreck, thinking that he's probably going to die. Right. Uh, You know, and worried he'd never use his legs before thinking like that, you know, the worst has possibly happened. Yeah. Uh, His strength's been taken away from him. He's, He's worried about being paralyzed and it was through water that he found new life because as you know, he was rescued as he you know, went to hospital, he was brought back. They, uh, in order to build up his strength, he started swimming and he started diving. Huh. And this, this notion that all of a sudden your bodily restraints were instantly taken away underwater, like gave him a freedom that like to hear him describe it is almost like pseudo spiritual. Yeah. Relief, a real, yeah. a real sense of, um, yeah, uh, for freedom that, would, that, that he wasn't expecting at all. Right after having such terrible injuries. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his his piloting career was completely over. <laughs> right. But suddenly, obviously, he still wanted to you know serve, and so kind of this naval career was was uh, founded. But like, what I really find interesting about that is that so okay, you got this dude who you know has kind of a general interest of sea life and that sort of thing at a at a young age, but it really is that kind of freedom that comes from being in the water. You, to hear him describe it, it's like, you know, suddenly like you're, you're lifting off, like as if, you know, if, if you could imagine, I mean, if we imagined right now, like, like, uh, being in this room and to be weightless and to actually just kind of float and move around wow. and kind of have that kind of, uh, agency and power over our bodies right. holistically, not bound by gravity. And then on top of that, what, not only do you enter into a world where you have this power, you also into a world that is broadly undiscovered. Like filled with all of these different fascinating yeah, creatures, you know, and, yeah. and and really the last undiscovered place in the in the world, right? On, on Earth, you right? Know? It's a it's a place that someone can be a pioneer, and and yet you know it, it's accessible, right? and not just a pioneer in terms of just you know like oh I looked at a thing, but like the technology mm. that this man helped develop that actually like really just opened up the ocean in new new and fantastic ways. Yeah, is really incredible. He, you know, finds his sea legs, if you will. I, yeah. Is that a bad joke in this no, case? You, I think it's, <laughs> it's been enough time. <laughs> it's been enough time. <laughs> <laughs> he finds his sea legs and uh, yeah, it's, it's here that he really finds his passion and it really is holistic. Now, um, speaking of the technologies developed, have you ever heard of an aqua lung? Is that that iron lung? Is hey, that, aqua lung. Is that, okay, that's different. That's a, that's from a song oh. called aqua lung. <laughs> I don't, like, know what, I don't know what an aqualung is. It's like a British punk band. They came up with a song called Aqualung. Iron lung is the thing that you lay in when you have polio. That's what Darth Vader had. He was in an iron lung. Okay, go ahead. Anyway, aqualung. <laughs> no. All right. So, all right. Here's here's an idea. Close your eyes and think about what, uh, a scuba diver. Now, I don't mean like a scuba diver today, but like a classic like scuba man. Yeah, I you got know. you. You know that yellow thing on its back? Yeah. That's the aqualung right there. Okay. So, it's a, it was the first ever self-contained breathing apparatus. Okay. That allowed, you know, him and his team to actually stay under and dive 
for longer than it has ever been before. I mean, like, okay. so he was really, you know, again, you got to think about this passion and this longing to kind of go further and, and discover more. And it really pushes you not just in the, I want to get there, but I need now to develop the technology that can get me there. Hmm. You know, like that, that really kind of going that extra mile. So it's not just going where no man has gone before. It's developing the technology that can actually get you there. Yeah. Invention is because of the necessity or what, whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those things you see this throughout his life. He's kind of constantly inventing new things or being part of teams. I mean, like it wasn't just him. He, there were other folks involved, but uh, he was a, a quintessential part of kind of the development of new technologies. Yeah. Now he left the Navy in 1949. Uh, you know, yeah, he's older than I thought he would be. I, I, I guess I thought this was, you know, Jacques Cousteau was uh, I, I, someone maybe my grandparents' age or something. Well, but, he, but he's he, a little older than that. He had a full life, man. He uh, he died, you know, just to jump to the end, and then we'll just call it. No, I'm just kidding. But he did. He, <laughs> he died, I believe, in his late, in his 80s. Yeah. Um, uh, from a heart attack, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. But no, he he had a very very full life. There's some interesting kind of. Not only did he develop technologies such as the Aqualung, and then also kind of this uh, diving, oh gosh, I can't even remember the name of it, but it's like a, it's like a diving uh, a scuba gliding thing that they used to take them down and they could like video, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the marine life around them and that sort okay. of thing. Okay. Even just like to hear talk about like the way in which they were developing cameras, they had to take yeah. apart like cameras, like they were intended for children because they had the smaller parts and smaller lenses that they needed to be able to craft their own cameras to be able to capture wow. the sea life. Yeah. And you know, the thing about, uh, Jacques is he was very good about recognizing the need for other people to share in his passion mm-hmm. and for other people, not just like, Oh, here's a thing to put down in a book, but how do we actually get people inspired about all this? How do yeah. we actually get them excited about this? And so, um, in 1953 is when he actually wrote his first book, which was called the silent world. Okay. And this is where it's kind of his attempt to share the world at the under sea, you know, the under the sea, right? It's <laughs> the sea but world, that, that whole ecosystem. That's just, unseen to us exactly really. yeah this was his first attempt to kind of share it with folks this was before you know the national geographic channel and you know cameras that you know lived under there for 24 7 watching dolphins and stuff you know wait when when year was national geographics a thing well national geographic has been around since the 1800s oh but you're talking about just the channel i'm just talking like about the tv show yeah, yeah or t- the channel it's like yeah. we didn't you couldn't just sit around and watch a bunch of you know uh, the manatees float around or whatever on on your tv you yeah. know yeah. yeah well the great thing is like Cousteau and the folks around it they recognize that in order to really engage people as as much as a book is great but if you want to really engage the common man and especially the, ch- the children yeah it has to be visual. Yeah. Like the fantastic things they were finding had to actually be presented. And so uh, in 1956, uh, they actually uh, turned the silent world into a documentary. Uh, it was an Oscar award winning documentary. Yeah. And it really kind of captured the imaginations and really displayed sea life. You know, you got to think this was like the the 50s, right? I mean, like, like right. exposing people to aspects of marine life they would have never seen before. And it was really coming at just the time where probably, if not majority of Americans, the at least plurality of Americans were starting to get access to television yeah. and, you know, that kind of thing. That's so, exactly right. Yeah. Well, you know, and the great thing is not only were they capturing the sea life, they were capturing the process. And so what you see in a lot of this, like this footage of Jacques and his team is there, it's it's not just like, oh, here's the fish. Oh, but it's them suiting up. It's, it's them, them suiting up. Going right. through the preparations 
locations and uh, showing how it, really the all the effort that it takes to get this kind of footage. That's right. right. And, That's and really right. for portraying even the technologies that they've had to invent and all this other stuff. It's yeah. it's we see it a lot in, in in a lot of documentaries. It's, it's certainly not necessarily standard, but we do see a lot of documentaries. Yeah. where the telling of the story is as much the story as the story. Yeah, sure. You track with me on that? Sure. So yeah. like they they know what they're trying to show people, but what they really want to do is show people how they're they're. In going order about for us it. to have given you this image of right. that whatever it is, we had to do this. Yeah, and this is impressive, right? So you get this dude and now iconic, you have kind of that look that you're wearing right now of kind of that blue, that light blue. <laughs> and if, if your mic was a cap, then, then it would look right. Like, exactly I know, like right. It. There's all these pictures of him, you know, these iconic photos of Jacques Cousteau wearing uh, this, you know, pale blue uh, outfit with this uh, with this red this red, you know, skull cap, which was fairly standard. Like it was a fairly scant standard, like diving kind of garb, if you yeah. will. Right. And it's not like he was, as I understand it, now I could be wrong on this, but as I understand it, he was never trying to self brand yeah. with that particular look, but it's just a look that became iconic with and because of him. Sure. And also something that is very iconic about Jacques Cousteau and his crew, they were pipe smokers, man. There are tons of pipes all across uh, his ship, the Calypso. Uh, his ship, which after he, uh, he left the Navy, he actually started, again, this was 1949-ish. Uh, he started his crew uh, on his ship, the Calypso, which they actually turned into this kind of floating laboratory. Yeah. Right. So there, it's, it was a laboratory, but it was also like a film documentarian set. So you got the film that's being processed in one room and you got the sea life that's being studied in the other room. You got the scuba gear. There was a helicopter pad. Like it's like all <laughs> of the things. Everything you would need to make this happen except broadcasted. This man really, and I mean like, it, it's crazy. He's basically Indiana Jones of the sea. Like, because not only was he going around and he's studying marine life, he was also doing archaeological, essentially like dives. Yeah, sure. If you think about archaeological digs. Digs, Archaeological yeah. dives under the sea looking for like, I mean, ruins or ru buried treasure. I'm right. like looking for sunken ships yeah. and, and ruins and, and all of these, uh, yeah. these amazing artifacts that were lost to time under, mm. under the sea. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I talked about a little bit more of the technology. He was in part of creating these kind of self lived encapsuled community, I guess, pods underwater. So the idea is that scuba the divers, concept of that. Well, no, they actually built them. Like oh, he, wow. They went, they, uh, you could go underwater and you could live essentially in this so that you could study marine life underwater and not have to come up for days because you were in this kind of con contained. It's basically a, a stationary submarine yeah. kind of, kind of thing. It, it yeah. was very experimental. So it was the con shelf one, the con shelf two and the con shelf three. Okay. And I mean, like in my imagination, it's like, do you ever see Sea Lab 2020? No. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, for those for those of the listeners that have, uh, that that are familiar, that's what my imagination conjures. I'm sure it was not that. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing is, you know, the the same technology they developed for this went on to be used, and I think is still used to help train people for uh, space. Um, you know, living in like extreme conditions where yeah. you have to have kind of these enclosed. In, in, in self-contained and you're just isolated yeah and if something happens you got to figure out how to deal with it that's exactly all right. that yeah. yeah so really really interesting stuff and i started his tv career in 1968 uh the under undersea world of jacques cousteau uh man this is really where we see uh kids of all ages really start to like be just captured like the the their imagination captured by yes the sea life and the marine life that he was presenting to him 
but also this just adventurous life of yeah. this, like this, this, like again, Indiana Jones of the sea. You know, Think about what all that can inspire, though. It, not just you know marine biologists, but engineers and folks that are interested in archaeology and adventurers. You know, folks that want to go to space. Or I mean, that, that he's touching a lot of hearts here. You yeah. Know? Yeah. All right. So I want to talk about the man himself. So that's something like the timeline. You know, like this is yeah. this was his life type deal and and his career and everything else. He's. He, it's interesting to kind of like unpack him because like with most people that we've covered in the past, like we, we either like lionize or we villainize. Yeah. Right. And I mean like Jacques Cousteau, you look at him like, Oh, you know, uh, Mr. Rogers of the ocean or right. you know, like, like, <laughs> something like that. You know what I mean? That's funny. But there's a lot of, you know, interesting like aspects of his character, his personality to, human. To, to kind of pull apart. Like, so yeah. obviously he's somebody that was an advocate for, you know, uh, preservation and, you know, care for marine life and uh, care for, uh, you know, uh, just honestly, like, you know, with, with oil drinking, like, like trying to, to yeah. protect the sea. He was a conservationist. He was, he was yeah. a conservationist, but like, even though he was starting his, like, like to speak out as a conservationist in the 1960s, at the same time, that's like after, well, so when he was filming his like working to get like these documentary film shots, there was a lot of like harm done to marine life. Yeah. You know, like, like, it, like as much as like to get those good shots and everything else. I mean, like, you know, you think about like film history, like, you know, how today we watch a movie at the, if you stay for the credits at the end, no animals were harmed in the you know making of this. And know. that hasn't always been true. Exactly. Is what you're saying. It hasn't always been true. Right. And, and so here's a man who is kind of known as this advocate, but then is also at the same time, some of these, you know, normal at the, for the time but harmful practices are being done right, right. on the marine life that he's trying to like big up and trying to protect. And so, yeah. There, and, and it's one of those aspects of his life. You know, we, you die, uh, what is it? You die here or you live long enough to become a villain. Well, sometimes you live long enough to reflect on some of your deeds hmm. and be yeah. able to say, yeah, I, I didn't really understand at the time right. what I understand now. Right. And through like that kind of deep connection. Do you think he got to that point? He did. Okay. And he was very Because a lot of people don't it. and it's still, so we have these debates about, well, they were, did all these great things, but they also had these tragic flaws that we don't accept today. And so how right. do we, you know, do we lionize them? I mean, how do we, how do we deal with that? What's right? interesting is that he's very, uh, he was very vocal. And of course, obviously he's, he's passed now, but he was, he was very vocal near the end of his life. Uh, and wanting to make sure that the way, like even the footage that shows them harming right. the sea life is actually preserved right. because he's not trying to cover that up. Mm. Like it's part, like it, it was, it's kind of, he was very kind of like, this is wrong, transparent, but yeah. it is what happened. Yeah. And kind of owning that. And I think a lot of times I think even that's awesome. I think there's something in our modern context. I think there's, there's always that like, uh, like uh, take that out of that, you know, that, that joke was funny in the nineties, but it's not funny now or whatever right. it may be where we're trying to like cover can we just, up. Can we just acknowledge that it was funny in the nineties or maybe it was funny to some people or was funny maybe, and maybe shouldn't have been, well, or, and, but exactly. it was there. It was there. You know? It was there. And I think that's right. the thing. Like, can't we like acknowledge it happened and it was harmful and use it to talk about how it was harmful. Right. Right. Which it, into, in the context of Jacques Cousteau, instead of just deleting, it instead of deleting it right. and pretending like it didn't happen. I yeah. think there's, you know, I mean, you know, we won't get political, but we, no, let, we won't, but we, this, this is very, this is very relevant. <laughs> absolutely. 
<laughs> well, we, we live in the American South. We yeah. understand the importance of like owning we your history. Yeah. And like, you know, and I think this, you know, and we, I think we've also been part of a lot of people that are like, oh, no, it was fine. It's fine. It's like, no, no, no. When you, it was fine. It, you don't right. deal with it. Yeah. And you need to actually deal with it. And Jacques Cousteau in, in terms of, you know, marine life, how he treated marine life early on as he was even trying to advance marine life studies and, yeah. and protection and, and his conservationist, uh, conservationalism. <laughs> Is that the right word? You, you nailed it. Sure. Man. Everything's great. <laughs> um, so anyway, I just, I think that's fascinating. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of an acknowledgement of the complexity that's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing about this man is, you know, again, you, you hear him talk about his experience under the sea and kind of, you know, explaining that to people, especially children. And it is an, a, almost like a spiritual context. And you kind of kind of wonder like, where was, where was this guy? Like, you know, in yeah. terms of, you know, uh, you know, what was his faith or, or, you know, what, did what even just his worldview, like his, exactly. you know, yeah. As you're kind cause that's the thing, like where, when you're, for example, when you're trying to deal with kind of some of those more complex nature of, I did this to, to make people more aware. Yeah. Where is your definition of right and wrong coming from? You know what I mean? Like what, yeah. where, where is kind of that core compass that, that, uh, and why are you doing what you're doing? Exactly. And you know, part of that's obviously passion, but what goes deeper? Yeah. Um, so it, there's not a whole lot of, uh, from that standpoint, it was reflected as kind of pointing out that, you know, all religions kind of are tapping into something and mm-hmm. like they all share a common understanding of the importance of creation. That's kind of what he, his, his view. Yeah. And yeah. He, he said very specifically that like, if you like the complexities and the beauty of creation point towards a creator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you kind of see in kind of his love of, you know, of, you know, uh, the sea and exploring and getting to experience things in mm-hmm. a way that no one else has. Mm-hmm. Is just the the beauty that exists there, and I think that's I think that I think that's beautiful. I think that's uh, that yeah. perspective is really really fascinating. Yeah, let's talk about him and the ladies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, let's a, talk a, a checkered past. Well, okay, an interesting one. He's French, um, <laughs> and we just lost our French listeners again. Or maybe we didn't, because the French are like, this is how we do. It's you know? exactly <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so Jacques married Simone, who was his business partner. Okay. They had two sons, okay? Uh, Jean-Marcel and Philippe. How'd I do? That was good. I mean, every, everything sounded great. I thought, I thought so. <laughs> uh, they got married in 1937, okay? This is, this is important. You track with me in 1937? Yeah. yeah. All right. Good, good, good. Unfortunately... Simone died of cancer. Okay. Okay. That was in 1990. In 1991, the next year, Jacques married Francine Triplett. Okay. Whom he already had two children with. Wow. Yes. He had a daughter. Okay. Who who was born in 1980. Okay. Okay. Wow. And uh, a son who was born in 1982. Okay. So that's, that happened. So that's the thing. That's the thing. It's French. It's French. And, and, and it's like, okay, well, you know, this other one's passed. And so now we're married the mother of my other children. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Anyway. Under the sea, under baby. Under the sea. What, what, what happens <laughs> under, the sea, under the sea stays under the sea, right? Apparently not. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, so there's a complex, uh, complex yeah, sure. uh, dynamic there with that, that family situation. Sure. So, anyway, just, just yeah. interesting. I'm just, I'm just stating the facts. Just That's pointing all. it out. Just pointing it out. Just pointing it out. Just pointing it out. Got to be pointed out. So uh, anyway, and my apologies to our French audience for implying that that's just a French thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, man, okay. Got to talk about this. As I was studying Jacques Cousteau, as I was kind of watching these documentaries and yeah. reading up on the man, I couldn't help but think 
this all seems very familiar, which is weird. Because I don't know Jacques Cousteau. Right. Not before this. This is half bowl histories. Right. You know what? Like, we didn't, I didn't pack the full bowl here. You know what I mean? Like, we, like I, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with this before actually doing, <laughs> doing the reading and, and, and watching these docs. Uh, but the reason is, is because of a little movie that we've actually covered on Country Squire Radio before. Oh. Called The Life Aquatic. We did some Wes Anderson stuff. We did. We did right? a Wes Anderson episode. And if you've not listened to that, I'm yeah. really proud of that episode. You need to go back and, and check it out. And, and the whole concept there was talking about his use of the pipe. Wes right? Anderson's use of the what, pipe. Wes Anderson's use of the pipe as a a tool in his narratives. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so in, in The Life Aquatic in particular, actually, uh, the pipe is used. I, I talked about it then, uh, but just as a kind of a brief reminder, the, the pipe is really used to communicate something about the primary character, uh, Dr. Zizu, and his son. He's just recently kind of come into the picture. And as with most Wes Anderson films, the son is more mature than the father. Right. And so that is being communicated in the fact that you got Dr. Zizu, who's always constantly smoking pot, and then you got the son, <laughs> who's who's got his pipe with him and, and is constantly smoking his pipe. And it kind of uh, denotes a, a maturity A level of maturity. Part, That's right, exactly that right. That maybe Pops doesn't have. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, okay. That's exactly right. But- there's so much, uh, <laughs> I mean, to say that that's essentially like a parody of Jacques Cousteau, like is not understating it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, sure. it, it's funny. Cause I, I've actually, as part of this in preparation, cause I was trying to understand, I was like, was he, was he, was the character's name Jacques Cousteau? I don't, I don't remember that. And then yeah. no, it was Zizou and they actually even referenced Jacques Cousteau in the movie. And so I was like, okay, huh. And so I, I found an interview with Wes Anderson talking about making the life aquatic and how, you know, obviously, you know, he said, you know, as we, as we got ready to release, you know, our parent company started to realize or, or started to get this, this idea in their head that aspects of our movie may have been inspired by Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> and of course, he's joking because the entire thing is obviously right. based off of Jacques Cousteau. Right. It's like, a, they kind of figured it out. They were like, oh, well, maybe you were thinking about Jacques Cousteau with even this, like, you think? <laughs> yeah. Even like his relationship dynamics with his wife being his yeah. business partner and having cancer, like literally like down to that. Like wow. it's all very, wow. yeah, the visuals, the ship, everything is very You look at Cousteau. Bill Murray in that and you're like, oh, well, obviously. Exactly. Exactly. So it's very clear what's going on here and and anyway so they had this conundrum though because all of a sudden you've got freaking Jacques Cousteau you know what I mean like not not exactly an unknown entity big deal and you're about to release this movie that is essentially like a a highly parodied version of his life and you didn't really think to talk to him about it or anything of that nature oh so this is what they did they sent his family his organization uh two hundred thousand dollars as a please don't sue us <laughs> gift. They paid him off. Right. <laughs> they, they paid him off. And uh, that's incredible. Isn't that crazy? And the, apparently what it's they. It's like, you know, we're, we know you're going to hate us. So here's a check. Yeah. And it, apparently it works. Wow. Because uh, obviously the movie released. But the, uh, uh, the apparently the if you if you watch the movie and I kind of remembered this when they were talking about it. Yeah. But at the end credits, they basically said. Uh, special thanks to uh, Jacques Cousteau and the Cousteau family 
who had absolutely no involvement in this film. Like, <laughs> and so like, that was the one request. They right. Had. Right. And, uh, and it plays just, up the credits. Can, can you please admit that we didn't have anything to do with this? Yeah, exactly. Like it, it just, it just needs to be very clear. Oh, that's funny. Wow. But like everything, like even like their ship, the sub scuba sub is based off of that, you know, uh, diving. It was the diving saucer. That was the name of it. Okay. That, uh, Cousteau helped, uh, develop. De- okay. For studying undersea life. You need to see that movie. That is man. so fun. I do. I really do. It's, yeah. it's a it's a great it is film. no secret that I do not watch movies. But <laughs> um but that this is one of them I need to see. This is this is very true. <laughs> this is very true. Um you know, one last thing I think is kind of interesting. Uh, and I'm I'm just I'm pulling this uh from, from Cousteau's Wikipedia page. So I don't know how how Right. How, how, T- take it for what it's worth. Yeah. So there there was kind of a, a question apparently at some point that people asked about recreational fishing. All right. Yeah, I'm a recreational fisher. I, I enjoy fishing. I, I enjoy fishing for food, and right. I also just enjoy fishing for catch and release as well. Yeah, it's, it's just fun. It's fun um, for you. It, well, yeah. Well, that's right. You hate fishing. I forgot about. I that. just don't care. But yeah. not for moral reasons. You just find it boring. It's just I, I just have no interest in. It. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So Cousteau uh, was asked about recreational fishing, and he said uh, his answer was that because fish are cold blooded, it does not mean that they do not feel pain. And any recreational fisher only says this to reassure their conscience. Mm. And I think that's I think that's true, which is great because it's it's not saying hey yeah you probably shouldn't recreational fish. It's just like you got to acknowledge what you're doing. Yeah. And I think that's very true to who yeah. Cousteau kind of was to the extent that we we had a view into his life yeah. and we had a large view into his life but it was a very curated view hmm. you know what i mean hmm. like when you've got a documentarian and somebody who I mean, you could argue one of the first reality tv stars you know what i mean yeah and and the way in which he kind of presented yeah, actually yeah that's, so, that's true yeah you know and so i don't know it's just i, I think it's um i think it's interesting i just want to i just want to throw that in so adventurer oceanographer complicated family situation yeah and a brilliant, brilliant man who did some incredible things for uh, advancing oceanography, advancing kind of the, uh, you know, the humanity's interest in in this big blue planet of ours that we yeah. know so little about what yeah. happens under the sea, was able to teach us a little bit more, show us a little bit more, and advance us not just under the sea, not just down below, but also up above with uh you know the technology he developed for you know outer that, space that aided at, right the outer space and, and uh, continues research yeah. yeah and 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 really inspiring a whole generation of explorers that's right, right. Yeah. of uh of both the sea and the air yeah so, yes yeah. so, anyway that, that's great man so say, that's that's my half bowl history half, okay? half pipe history half pipe history half pipe history it's a half pipe history i love it man that's uh that's wonderful wait I, are we I changing really, it to half pipe history it, it's always been half pipe history it was half bowl history when we started no it's a three pipe problem so it's a half pipe history. Okay, half pipe history. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. It's always been. I'm gonna play this back and figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> Tag it. Why are you changing it last minute? I didn't think I was. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, there you go. That's our uh, our half pipe history. Do we like that? You like half pipe better than half bowl? Half half bowl history. No half pipe. You just said half pipe history. Half like pipe. Th- half like pipe that. history. Oh, you know what? We're changing it right now. It's half pipe history. It's half pipe history. <laughs> People look at me so confused when they download this episode. Is that half pipe history? No, it's half bowl like, history. <laughs> oh man. If y'all if y'all knew how difficult it was for us to get this this the name of this series right. Just to turn around and mess it up, <laughs> John David. 
Um, <laughs> anyway, what it is when it goes out is what it will be. Yeah, that's correct. And now we've got both names in the episode to right. validate it. <laughs> <laughs> who would y'all like us to cover? We would love to uh, hear it. This was actually um, a, a person who is recommended by uh, Gerson Fernandino de Anito. That's yeah. right. That's right. I nailed it. I think you crushed it. Yeah. He's yeah. going to write in and say, y'all are butchering my name every single time. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Gerson actually has some uh, uh, quick fire questions for us that we'll be jumping into here in just a minute. But oh, first, great. we got to talk about, you know, if you go out on the ocean, let me just let me just tell you something. All right. If you're John David Cole or Bo York and you go out on the ocean and you're not diving because, you know, you're, you're too ter- terrified to do that. <laughs> That's, yeah. I'm not, dude, I'm not going down we're there. Not, we're not going down there. you kidding me? There's like things that sting you and eat you and we'll, stuff. We'll hold the microphones. That's yeah. what we're going to do. Yeah. And, and you know, we're going to join Jacques, uh, Jacques, Jacques Cousteau's ship. We're going to be enjoying some pipes. But here's the thing. We're not uh, men of the sea. We are not. Uh, we do not have our sea legs. Okay. Which means that we are liable to fall, we are liable to slip, we are liable to drop whatever we're holding, and especially we are liable to let go of the thing that is in our mouth, which is our pipe. And so one of the things we recommend, you know, like when, when you're going out on the sea, you're going to want to make sure that you've got a good quality smoke, but something that's not going to break your bank when it accidentally falls into the ocean. When it goes into uh, Davy Jones's locker. That's right. Yeah. And that's why we recommend our good friends at Missouri Meerschaum. That is right. That is right. Do you know for only $9.99, you can get a Washington corncob pipe from Missouri Meerschaum. The great thing is it comes in a bent and a straight variety. And I like bent pipes for when I'm doing activity. You know, yeah. I am a straight pipe smoker, but those bent pipes are nice for when you're, you know, you've got something else going on. It kind of stays out of your vision. It's easier to clench. And the, uh, the bent pipe variety here is perfect for the uh the adventures you'll have on the deck of your uh, of your ship so um and take it with you when you go on the ocean take it with you when you go uh in your car in your boardroom wherever you find yourself at uh but you can find it at corncobpipe.com and uh, order it today they'll send it right to you there you go and big thanks to our friends at missouri mission for sponsoring this show as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast that's indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Quick fire with the squire. Quick fire question. All right, man. So, like I mentioned, uh, Garson, 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 G. 
Our boy G, <laughs> Ferrandino, <laughs> he hooked us up with this topic. He also hooked us up with some quick fire questions to go along with it. Yeah, great. So I was really excited to be able to pair these two uh, for this week. Are you ready? Yeah. Yep. Calm waters or rough sea? Ugh. Actually, have you been on a boat? Never thought I'd be on a boat. Oh, yeah, we've both been on a boat, haven't we? <laughs> Have we? Yeah, for your uh, bachelor party. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean that was a yeah. tiny boat on a lake. But yeah, yeah, on a lake. I mean, I've been on a boat on a lake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I don't, I'll go with calm water. Okay. That's, that's kind of my speed, I think. Uh, I've, I've ridden on a catamaran. I think that's what they're called. Like, where they got the two yellow things and the big uh, sail thing, but like it's like on a net. Okay. I think it's called a catamaran. Anyway, I've been on one of those a couple times, um, and it's fun on the rough sea, but yeah, calm waters. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Preferable. Agreed. Um, mangroves or coral reefs? What's a mangrove? I think that is when you take a razor and you want to make sure that, you know what? Actually, we probably don't talk about that on the. <laughs> a mangrove is a shrub or a tree that grows in a coastal sea line or brackish water. And uh, actually, it's a lot of what you would see kind of around the Louisiana coastline. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. The That's swampy right. areas, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, if that's the case, I'm, I'm going to go with coral reef. Yeah. Mangroves are gorgeous, though. I, I'll, I'll probably go with mangroves. Okay. Yeah. Uh, coral reef. You know, I know there's like so much majesty that's kind of made out of coral reef. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you go to um, your aquarium or something like that. They always have, you know, kind of sections of the coral that's reef. Or set like, up. Yeah, yeah. Something of that nature. Staged. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's beautiful, but yeah. I feel like yeah, mangroves get overlooked. Okay. You know? We, we should we should celebrate the mangroves to the extent we celebrate coral reef. I'm I'm going mangrove. <laughs> Deep sea versus ocean surface. Ocean surface. Yeah, I don't have a lot of experience with deep sea, and I don't think I ever will. Yeah. I, I have nothing but respect to uh, divers, and uh, even more so now after a little uh, look into Jacques Cousteau and yeah. his legacy. But yeah, uh, I like breathing the air that's out here. Yeah, rather than one in a tank. Yeah, even though the stuff in a tank's probably cleaner. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. Yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, I'll, I'll stick with what I got. Ship versus submarine. Ship. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Submarine is just a... Submarines kind of creep me out. It's a time capsule, man. Yeah. It's a time capsule carrying your underwater corpse. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, got, that got dark. I know, right? <laughs> Atlantic versus Pacific. Um, mm. Mm. Atlantic. Yeah. It's closer, you it know, is. To, to us. It's more familiar. Yeah. I've seen the Pacific Ocean when I went to California, but... Yeah. I feel like I know the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. And well, I've flown the, over the Atlantic Ocean a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same here. All right. We're going to go with Atlantic. <laughs> uh, all right. There you go. Those are our uh, oceanographer edition of uh, our quick fire questions. If you've got some quick fire questions, feel free to send them into the show. That is show at countrysquireradio.com. Your thoughts, your comments, listener feedback. Listener feedback coming in from Derek J. What did Derek have to say this week? Uh, he said, love the show, guys. Just thought I'd drop this picture of my tamp and poker tool for the day, which he sent in. Uh, forgot mine and had to make do on the job site. A good old rusty nail. And, uh, of course, rusty nails do well, as, as well as uh, chapstick tubes in your uh, uh, car's console or uh, anything else that, um, you know, works. That's just me ad-libbing, not Derek. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, smoking out of the Kingston Judge, I heard you talk about, with some Squire 50th anniversary pipe tobacco. Uh, 
guys, that is some of the best flavored tobacco I've ever had. Hey. It reminds me of my grandfather going to his tobacco shop. Fantastic tobacco. And that is from Derek J. So, Derek, thanks so much, man. We uh, appreciate you uh, being a part of our community. And uh, glad you glad you found something to tamp, tamp your ashes with because, uh, you know, sometimes you got to get creative. You know, sometimes you got to get creative. But a rusty nail? It's I'm telling you, man, any port in a storm. Uh, not any port. <laughs> Sometimes the captain's got to go down with the ship. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's that's good. The 50th anniversary, was that limited series or do y'all still have some? We still on? have yeah. it. It's a Virginia Perique. It's a uh, crumble cake that was made for us uh, in conjunction with Sutliff. And right. so uh, Vacuum Seal Tin has our uh, crest on the top. And um, yeah, it's an ongoing thing. It was so popular that we've uh, we've kept it around. Man. So you can get it today. Okay. All yep. right. Well, there you go. And a fantastic tobacco, says Derek J. Mm. All right, man. Okay, so we got a chance to kind of uh, paint the picture this week and kind of launch this new, or well, relaunch, I guess. Really, I don't know, a rename, rechristen, yeah, an old favorite with this uh, kind of new take on this uh, this old favorite, yeah, half bowl histories, yeah, half pipe histories, half bowl histories, exactly, half yeah. pipe histories. I think it's great. It's gonna be it's gonna be wonderful. Not confusing at all. See, that's the whole purpose <sighs> of renaming this series is to make it less confusing. And what did we do? We made it more confusing. <laughs> that's how you know you're listening to Country Squire Radio. I feel like that's my legacy. Everything I touch just kind of gets a little muddled. No, I mean, but, and to be fair, it's always better once it's muddled. Let's go have a date. No! <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't had the official sign-off yet, but we're about to. Y'all, uh, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Uh, of course, you can follow us throughout the week. You can follow John David at John David Cole. You can follow the shop at underscore Country Squire. And the show is at Squire Radio, but all that information and more can be found at CountrySquireRadio.com. Uh, if you've got some uh, half-bowl histories or half-pipe histories yeah. that you want us to uh, to do a, di- a deep dive into, or at least a shallow dive, let's be honest, uh, then uh, be sure to write those into the show. We love the inspiration. It can be, uh, it can be uh, someone who is a pipe smoker. It could be somebody who's very pipe-adjacent. It could be somebody who's fictional. It could be... Um, you know, I, as I mentioned before, uh, the Calypso uh, ship that Jacques Cousteau uh, sailed on with his, uh, his folks has a lot of history that's tied to that that we didn't get into. And so maybe there's a half bowl histories waiting for that, that yeah. ship in the future. So yeah. a lot of great, a uh, lot of great uh, possibilities for this series. And we're really excited about it, even though the name's a bit muddled. <laughs> and, uh, mm. <laughs> I think it's bowl. I think it's bowl. You think it's, I mean, I th- I it started bowl. as bowl. <laughs> See, I, I thought it started as pipe, and then I got confused. And then, it, <laughs> but now as we're saying it, it's not. I mean, half a pipe is like it's just the it's just the bowl and not the and and, and uh-huh. not the stem. Uh-huh. But half, half a, bowl a bowl is just half a bowl of pipe tobacco. Of pipe tobacco, right? It's half bowl. History. Right. No. <laughs> You've always known that. I just had to get there. I know. I was okay. just I was going with you. You were you were pivoting, and I was I was going with your pivot. Let's go have a day. Bye, bro.
U.S. and New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yep. Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.